We are back, we are back ladies and gentlemen and boy do we have a show to kick things back off again. I'm joined by three fantastic panellists who are going to dissect all of the news from the world of non-league. We'll be looking at the situation with Staines Town and the geopolitical crisis they found themselves in. We'll be asking our Stockport County National League champions-elect, looking at the playoff race in that division and who may be coming up from the divisions below. And finally we'll be taking a look at the England versus Wales international match due to take place in Wales this week. This is your non-league weekly podcast sponsored by betting.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Non-League Weekly Podcast sponsored by betting.co.uk. I'm your host, Amos Murphy, and I'm delighted to say, after a little bit of time away, time out of the squad, we've been given the call up once again. And it is fantastic to be able to say we are back bigger than better than ever before because alongside the two usual guests, we also have a debutant with us, and that man is Dan, a massive Gateshead fan and a YouTuber as well. It's fantastic to have Dan on the show. And if Dan, you'd just like to introduce yourself and let the listeners know a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, so, uh, my name's Dan Bell, but uh, obviously, um, if you follow me on YouTube, you probably know me better as DB30 Sports TV. Um, I see what I do is with that is I sort of go around all the, a lot of various sort of non league games. I've, Gateshead everywhere, obviously, but as well as that, I'll go to like sort of Northern League games, uh, games mm. in the North Riding Senior Cup, and try and cover a bit of everything, even throw a bit of rugby league into my channel, yeah. which is obviously not what a lot of sort of YouTube channels do, but I like to do that as well. So, I do a bit, bit of all sorts, really. Obviously, as I mentioned, I'm a massive Gateshead fan, uh, still yet to miss a game this season, which has been. Pretty costly, pretty exhausting, but um, but yeah, it's all the same. Obviously, because the season I've had and all that, it's been pretty epic as well. Yeah, I can imagine both uh, physically costing, emotionally costing, and, and quite uh, costing on the wallet as well. I can imagine. But um, in terms of that st- stuff you get up to, then obviously I- I've followed you for some time. I'm sure other people have as well. But you constantly seem to be at a sports ground of some sort of variety or some sorts of kind. What sort of numbers have you been doing this season? Obviously, you mentioned there you've done all the Gateshead games, but away from Gateshead as well, have you sort of been keeping track of the number of stadiums and number of games you've been to? I think as of Saturday, I've moved to 119. Now, this season, I've this season though, I've done a lot. I've been to a lot of rounds, as it's sort of shown. We, if you look at my channel, and I've sort of looks like I've been here and everywhere. But um, a lot of them are basically revisits. I've not had a chance to do mm. any new ticks. All I mean, obviously, the more you, the, the more you visit grounds, like the the further and further away the near, nearest new new one becomes. And I think, yeah, yeah. One that I haven't done at the minute, sort of in the, but I'd say between the Premier League and step six and non-league is the thing. The thing the nearest one's Ilkley, and obviously I, I live in Middlesbrough, so it's a fair, fair mm. old Yeah, I'd say. I'd say, yeah, a superb commitment. And uh, I'll just bring the other two into it then. Obviously, returning to the podcast, we've got Richard and we've got Joel. Richard, how have you been? What have you been up to? Are you keeping up? Yeah, keeping up. Glad to be back. Feel like the. Uh... 
proverbial football who's just come back from a uh, short-term <laughs> injury. He's itching to get back. Uh, in yeah, absolutely. Uh, been, been busy being uh, following Kids Grow Still for Moreland's Radio, the great radio station I work for. Done a couple of uh, Macclesfield games. Did the Macclesfield game when they uh, won the league, won the Northwest County. So that was a bit mental and uh, got to speak to one Robbie Savage of uh, all people. Name dropping already. <laughs> We've been away a couple of weeks and he's already <laughs> thrown in those names. Uh, Joel, I would ask you if you're okay, but obviously supporting Dagenham and Redbridge, that isn't always the case. But uh, have you been able to find solace elsewhere away from the football pitch? Yeah, well, um, obviously the be all and end all isn't football, thankfully, otherwise <laughs> a smile on my face. But it's been an interesting few weeks. Was down at Grimsby Saturday, Eastleigh the Tuesday before that. Went to Yeovil on a Tuesday night at the start of the month as I um, also attempt to do every Dagenham game this season. So it's been it's been an interesting few weeks and certainly a busy few weeks. But yeah, nice to have a Tuesday off if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it's been an interesting few weeks. Well, it's been an interesting day. Um, this wasn't on the agenda for today's podcast, but we, we just had to get it in. And to be honest, we just had to start with it. And we'll speak about the news that broke about Staines Town. Um, astonishing news, really. It broke on Tuesday afternoon that eighth tier Staines Town had accused their owners, Downing LLP, of breaching the Human Rights Act due to connections with some of the partners. Now, it seems after doing a little bit of digging and, and you know it's it's no surprise that not many people have heard of this company but they're, they're an investment sort of company and they help businesses in the UK invest their money elsewhere and and all sorts of like that's usual commercial and business jargon um but Staines Town the football club themselves put a statement out on their website it was 1500 words that broke down the allegations which quite quite shockingly included stuff like human rights abuses environmental crimes child labor slavery and then even murder which was it, it was just a bizarre bizarre statement that they, they put out and, and to read it just got even weirder and weirder with each line and if that wasn't crazy enough, there are also allegations made by Town that Downing LLP continued to have dealings with Russian government-affiliated entities and businesses, despite sanctions being placed on Russian companies by the UK government due to the ongoing war in Ukraine. Now, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there, and, and we'll sort of caveat that by saying we have had no chance to reach out to Downing LLP. We will reach out to them and, and hopefully ask for a comment. But as a recording, we've not had a chance to do that. So they, of course, have the right to reply. And, and all of this is allegations made by Town themselves. But... Richard, if I may, I'll start with you, and I've given you the unenvious task of having the first <laughs> word on this because there is an awful lot to unpack here. But what were your main takeaways, if any, apart from utter bemusement around uh, surrounding this issue? I knew you were going through uh, this first to me. I've, to be honest, I've not had a chance to look at the statement in great depth. I come off work, I had a message from... It got put into the... Uh, WhatsApp group that we have for Moreland's Radio Sports team. And every time I try to click on the link, I mean, where I work's not got the best 4G, like, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but it just kept saying, uh, cannot open it. And you're like, what's going on for, for a non-league football club? <laughs> it felt like their website had broken. And so, as you say, it's utter amusement. I mean, to, to read this sort of thing, you, you don't expect it on a Tuesday. Uh, and uh, I think the uh, meme that we regularly use in our uh, discussions. I think uh, about uh, the was it the Antonio Conte uh, name 
Yeah, we just need we just need one regular day in non-league football. And we're not getting it again. <laughs> not at all. Joe, uh, I'll come to you. It, it, if ever a meme has summed up the situation, it is Antonio Conte asking for one regular day of non-league. But um, there's a lot to take away from that, and it's it's sort of easy to pass it off as as something that's gone to the extreme. But this is these are some serious allegations being made by a club who play in the eighth tier of, of English football, a non-league side who, as of the the current situation, look as if like they may be dropping down a division and haven't been sort of football in terms of best form. This is this this has shaken people beyond the world of non-league football, hasn't it? Oh, for sure. Um, we're used to this season seeing some things that make us our draw our jaws drop. We're used to seeing things that are very surprising in the world of non-league football. But I don't think anyone anticipated um something of this severity. Um, I can't remember the company's name off the top of my head. I'm not going to try and say it in case I, you know. Down in LLP, down in LLP. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't go accusing anyone else yeah. of anything. At risk of implicating some family business from work. <laughs> the, the company obviously have a lot to answer for, and the allegations wouldn't be published in the public domain if there wasn't some severe foundation. You would think so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this one develops, and they've also um, compromised their own kind of football inside, haven't they? Because. Uh, mm suffer from lack of income through suspending their football operations. So definitely they seem to be putting morals um, before before the short-term financial gain. So it's it really is a, a fantastically staggering, you know, multi-stranded saga that, yeah, really does. Yeah, summing it up perfectly there. And Dan, just to sort of like, welcome to the show, mate. <laughs> We'd have loved to have kicked off with some football in chat, but as is often the case, as we've seen the last few weeks, we've had, uh, you know, allegations of animal abuse. We've had managers sacking, all sorts of crazy stuff. But this has got to be one of the strangest stories. Well, it's one of the strangest stories I've ever seen in football, let alone non-league. And, and what did you have any time to take away anything from this other than the fact it's absolutely bizarre? Well, I was um, I was having my dinner when the party broke. I was I was literally just just sat in a chippy. I was just chips and curry sauce and that. Then next one, my phone goes off, and I've I've still got uh, Twitter notifications on for Ollie Bayliss. Like I don't, I don't oh, know. Yeah, what yeah. Yeah, when it was when it was a whole debacle about will the nationally north and south be null and void? Will it not? Um, I've kept some on since because he he's like. If, if something breaks in non-league, then yeah. he should the first to reveal. And then I saw oh, Stainstown of he just put Stainstown of stopped all basically all activity, and I thought, mm. well, I'd, I'd a struggling financially, and mm. I've heard of it. Um, then, but then I, I clicked on this statement, and the first thing I, I saw was um, something about slavery. Act. I was like, <laughs> I think I saw, you know, um, I think it's David Dickinson or something. Like that. You know that. Meme <laughs> yeah. Something going off is goes bloody hell. I was just thought, like, yeah, I'm not yeah. any better on myself. I'm just reading through it. Then uh, I texted my uh, Manny Catherine, who's uh, quite involved with the Tunbridge Angels. I just lives down in Kent. Um, yeah, obviously, Staines is probably a club that they've maybe had a few meetings with over the years. And just said, I've been seeing a statement from Staines. You've got to read it. It's the most bizarre thing I've mm. possibly ever read from a football club mm. in my life. It was just 
it just got I think it just got more and more surreal as it went on. There. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It every single line is is a completely different thing. I'm just looking at it now again, and it obviously starts by um, by accusing Downing LLP of of breaching the the modern slavery acts of 2015 as you scroll and scroll and scroll the, the sort of allegations seem to just get worse and worse and you get to this paragraph which is about halfway through and i'll read it verbatim um elsewhere we have also been provided with vast amounts of evidence that down in llp may be involved through its other holdings in the financing of environmental crimes, price fixing, deforestation, forced evictions, human rights abuse, child labour, slavery, gender discrimination and murder. Joel, is there anything this company hasn't done? Because it, it seems as if, if if this, like I said, I'll caveat this once more time, if this is true, then that is, that, that's going to transcend the world of sport, let alone just non-league football in general, isn't it? This is about as impactful a statement as any organisation, football club or otherwise, could even imagine. There's even a bit in there about Amnesty International this, um, condemning down in LLP. And, and, and like I said, again, this is an eighth-tier football club. They're step four in non-league. They they should not be breaking headlines on a geopolitical scale like this. Yeah, as you say, it's um it's a list of purported crimes that um a criminal would be... Um, <laughs> I, 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 hes- I hesitate to use the, use the words proud of, but... <laughs> um, yeah it's just the list is is staggering and um it starts off sort of deforestation you're thinking okay well that's obviously bad. yeah and then we end up with murder and that is a bit bad so yeah, um <laughs> it, it's just it's just shocking in all seriousness it is a terrible allegation and um I mm. said earlier one that surely if they've been provided with enough evidence to go public with it um at their own risk then you've got to imagine that it really has substance. Yeah, without wanting to look like Frank Lampard doing his laughing face into serious <laughs> mode, I guess we will have to sort of just dissect this on a on a more on a more serious level because, like I said, they didn't they didn't hold back with a statement, but on a wider context, Richard, it really does sort of highlight the fragility of football ownership at, at clubs, and obviously we've seen we've seen it with the Chelsea stuff in the Premier League and and how quickly things have turned around um, in regards to the Ukraine situation, and now we're seeing it what, seven tiers down the pyramid where a similar sort of thing is happening and it doesn't make a difference if it's a Premier League, the Football League or non-league. At the end of the day, these football clubs are part of communities and for the foreseeable future now, they won't be able to fulfil fixtures. There'll be players that are now have to find another club and, and the sort of thing that means for wages and their, their household income. Obviously, they're not going to be on, on a lot of money playing for an eighth-tier football club, but that, that's still a, a nice bit of pocket money they take home every every week or so. So, it's just a gigantic mess, isn't it? And it really is sort of like the latest depressing note on what is a pretty grim sort of time for football ownership. Absolutely. And I think the main thing to take away is the players. Obviously, you mentioned them there. You, they can't play fixtures in the mix. They're not playing. But they can't go and register for another club because the registration window for yeah. non-league football passed last week. Now, whether the FA gives them special dispensation, I don't know. Uh, could the FA give them special dispensation? I hope so, because it's none of their own doing this. They've probably, like us, seen the news, they might have been told about it earlier on before the statement was actually released, look, this is coming mm. out. But then non-league footballers, they all have jobs up. 99% of them do. So they might not be able to have got hold of everyone. And you know, you're know, you sat up there at work doing whatever, because a lot of them coach or a lot of them yeah. uh, do what have you. 
and they've just suddenly got their phone and it's just all going off and all the mates are going, have you seen this? Have you seen this? It doesn't give them time to digest the news uh, before it goes public. It, it's also it's almost the worst way you find out. You're not told in advance. You find out with everyone else uh, the, the news is that the news is out there. So I really do feel for the players. And just where does it leave football ownership? And mm. we talk about it with Chelsea, even Newcastle, United, if you want to chuck them in there with the Saudi owners. The FA really, if this is all true, and you've got, as we stress, this is, you know, if it is true, then the FA really need to get a look at the fit and proper zoners test of not just the Premier League, but of non-league clubs and to have a good look at it because we can't allow this to come into football, whether it's in the Premier League, uh, the Ryman League or the Ishmael League or even Sunday League football, if they have owners, it really needs to be sorted where we've got honest owners who are honest to what they do and honest in what they say of what the funds they've got sort of thing. Indeed. Um, Dan, as a Gateshead supporter, I suppose you're no stranger to a dodgy owner or two and you, you've probably seen more than anyone um, just the sort of effects and the impacts um, ownership that that goes wrong can have on a football club, and, and the sort of the time it's taken Gateshead, I suppose, to get back to a, a situation where they're stable enough. And, and granted, you know, there's a there's a completely different situation here where Stainstown are, are much further down the pyramid. But who knows where the, the sort of future lies for this club after after such a, a painful sort of statement they've had to make. Thing is, like, what I think the worst thing about this is like. Uh, as it was for Gateshead, as it was for, uh, as it, as I think at the same time, Ebbsfleet were struggling mm-hmm. a bit as well. I think the people that suffer most are obviously like the, the, the volunteers at stage, yeah. the people behind the scenes, like everything like that. Like, I mean, I obviously saw it firsthand. Obviously, uh, you're getting news here and there that uh, the players haven't been paid. People are being sacked by text. Uh, mm-hmm. You're always wondering what's 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 Khaled done now? Obviously, using Khaled, obviously that's what. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it, it just is. That's honestly, it is really, really sad because, um, because you never want to see clubs stuff like this. And uh, I mean, a, a story like this, I mean, it's so bizarre, isn't it? Um, mm, yeah, indeed, indeed, and we will, uh, we will revisit this when we. Uh, when more comes to light and, and we get we get more information around it, but we'll park that for a little bit and we'll actually go on to speak about more football stuff and and, and um, the sort of ramifications a bit further up the pyramid, starting with the National League. So let's talk football then. We're well and truly into the business end of the season. I think that's that's fair enough to say. The games are running out and, and soon enough we'll be into single figures for games remaining. All three divisions in the National League are starting to hot up. We're going to focus on the promotion battle this week. We're going to leave the relegation stuff for, for another day purely because there's so much to get through in all three of the leagues. Starting with the National League, Stockport County with a commanding lead at the top of the table and they look to be cruising on their way back to the Football League. The last defeat came on December 11th. That that was a way to Torquay United and they now just need a handful of wins left to lift the title. Joel, it's hard to say that if they do lift the title, they won't be deserving champions, won't it? Given the sort of form we've seen from them, not only just before Christmas, but after Christmas as well. 
yeah, they've been um, virtually flawless um, for a non-league team to produce that level of consistency, especially within a gruelling schedule whereby sometimes you're playing Tuesday, Saturday. They're also in the FA Trophy, aren't they? So they've had to balance that. And they also went um, reasonably far in the FA Cup too. So to balance all that and still drop so few points, obviously they've got the benefit of um, some very rich owners and a... um, an embarrassment of riches within their squad, but nonetheless, so do many teams, and they still don't get anywhere near the level Stockport do. So, um, you just have to admire how Chaloner has come in and, and revitalised a team that was looking very stagnant beforehand under under Simon Rusk. Must feel a different world away that open day victory for you, Joel, against Stockport County at Edgeley Park, and and the sort of the the optimism that was surrounding the club prior and, and the sort of position they're in now. And obviously we'll, we'll touch on Dagenham and the woes um, in a, in a short while, but considering that first game of the season and, and sort of how ragged they were run by Dagenham, considering where they are now, it, it's just a completely different world, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Um, they were completely overrun and we, we outclassed them. They looked like a team of talented individuals with no coherency and that's what's changed now. I mean, you look at some of the players who were playing for them that day and there's not too many differences. Um, players like Will Collar have just completely hit another level under Chaloner. So that is the difference now. They're a, they're a proper team. They've got that kind of fluency and rhythm um, down to a T and, and they're no longer a team of individuals. They They play for each other and they just keep winning. They're a machine. Richard, um... As Joel mentions there, much of this is down to Dave Challoner and the, the masterstroke, if you can call it that, obviously. An expensive managerial appointment. It wasn't like they plucked him out of nowhere. His credentials were, were very well known and have been for some time. But it looks like he's set for back-to-back promotions from the National League. And in terms of like looking at the wider picture, do you think there's any candidates apart from him for National League Manager of the Year? Or do you think he's really the only one you should be looking at come the end of the season? Should they get across the line, let's say? I think if you go and look at anyone, I think Luke Garrard, the job he's done with Boring Wood and getting them to the fourth round of the FA Cup, yeah, they've, they've dropped off massively there yeah. on uh, since uh, the Everton game for one reason or another. I think fixtures have really caught up with them. But I think Challenger really does deserve it, you know, back-to-back promotions. And I was talking to Jack Dorney, formerly of uh, Chorley, and he played with under Challenger at AFC Fouds when Challenger first uh, went to Fouds. And he was telling me about how... Uh, the uh, scouting reports that Challoner did uh, was just completely on a different level. You get uh, you get some managers and they'll go, they'll play four four two. The best player is playing number nine. He's mm. good on the ball. He's not so good on the ball. Whereas Challoner just goes into so much depth. I think he, like he was saying about like he, he tells you about his height. You know what his strong mm. foot is. You know just everything you need to know. And this is ten years ago now in step. For step five of non-league football and you know the resources for a non-league football club back then yeah filed have money and had money then but there's still the resources and the time and effort to go and do that is fantastic and I can only imagine that Chaloner is putting uh, just as much if not double the amount of time and effort into Stockport County because he's got the resources he's got the full-time status with the club and He's got the ability and the budget to do it. And 
as we speak, he's probably sat in his uh, Cheshire mansion having a nice glass of Merlot, looking forward to <laughs> the weekend, as we said on the last podcast. Yeah, yeah definitely. He, he definitely isn't. Um, you spot on there. There's no surprise that football league clubs were touting him before he, he got the promotion with Hartlepool. And, you know, he, he's definitely been a. Uh, incredibly consummate professional since he first touched the uh, the managerial dugout after retiring retiring and um you know he looks a complete transformed Stockport County I think Joel you made a great point before about the um the fact that a lot of the players are the same they've, they've made a couple of acquisitions and they've they've strengthened in a, in a couple of areas made a few deadline signings but near enough exactly the same squad as the one that started the season and, and you know rightly so because the money that was spent there was enough quality within that squad um we'll move down a little bit at the table then and, and dan i'll come to you for this one because below them it looks as if there's a really really hot playoff battle starting to emerge and i suppose the favorites and, and the bucky's favorites as well with sky better 11 to 8 to be promoted behind stockport are wrexham if Wrexham go up with Stockport, as many touted at the beginning of the season, as, as a sort of expectation, I think I think plenty of people wouldn't have been surprised. But in terms of who, in, in terms of if Wrexham miss out, will it have been a failure? Do you think, Dan, for them this season, considering like Stockport, the money they've spent? I think it's got to be because um, you look at who the money Reynolds and McElhenney have put into it. I mean, they I mean, Christ, they were assigned. What was it? League two was he top scorer in League Two last year. Mullen was just player oh, of the Mullen, year. Yeah. But you think they're making signings like that? They're doing, uh, they're doing all sorts. They're pulling in much higher crowds now than what they were pre mm. pre the Hollywood takeover. So I think, I think yeah, I've, I've sort of maintained all along this season. I obviously, me personally, it's not like National League isn't. Yeah, I don't look at it as extensively as I would if we were in it, but. Um, yeah, I definitely think they've like the, the pressure is going to be on them as particularly finishing in in second place. Now, I mean, I always sort of regard the, the teams that finished sort of in the higher playoff spots as being under the most pressure anyway, because obviously they've gone mm. there, they're expected to perform and finish off what they've done. Uh, so, and I, and I think as well, uh, I think even before the Hollywood takeover and that, I think Wrexham fans were. I'd be starting to get a bit restless with being in non-league because historically you think Wrexham, Stockport, Chesterfield, Notts County, they, they are clubs you would mm. hit with the football league. And I think once Wrexham do break out all of it and once Stockport do as well, I think I think they'll both they both go into the football league and do and, and do pretty well. Yeah. But... Um Joel, obviously you probably watched um well well I'm pretty confident in saying you've watched the most national league football out of the panel this season. In terms of that second promotion spot, then, I think we can all agree that Stockport County are probably on their way to a, a league win. In terms of that second promotion spot, who are you looking at as being the potential suitors to go up alongside Stockport? Because, as Dan mentions there, the, the names inside that top seven at the moment are gigantic. And even just looking outside it, there's, there's a couple of clubs who, who could easily squeeze away through or, you know, inside the top seven could easily drop out. At the moment, if you had to say... Would it be Wrexham as the team to go up, or are you looking elsewhere? Yeah, it, it'd be Wrexham. Um, I'd have said Chesterfield if you'd have asked the question a couple of months ago, but the injury to Shamanga is obviously season-defining for them. Um, in addition to that, the teams who were in and around Wrexham the last time we kind of um, spoke about on the podcast, Halifax and Bournemouth, have both, um, have both slipped away recently. So I think it's all kind of 
coming into place nicely for Wrexham to um, to finish strongly, finish in second or even third. It's not the end of the world. You still get the home the home semi, and then I think the players in their squad would be the ones who would handle a, a Wembley final better as well. So yeah, Wrexham for me. Yeah, that's another thing, another element, isn't it? The the Wembley final, which many teams have come stuck in as well. Um, just to wrap up National League, then Richard, mm. we've we've spoken about uh, spoken about some of those teams and Wrexham. Would it be a, a failure if they dropped out? But then you've also got the likes of Chesterfield, who who led the way for a long time. It looks as if they were going to run run away with the league title. Um, Boreham Wood, similarly, they've somewhat dropped off a cliff in recent weeks and they're going to have to do a bit of work to get back into the top seven. They've obviously got the games in hand. Of the teams that may miss out, so perhaps um, who, whoever's going to go up and, and who misses out, who do you think would it have been the biggest failure for them if they don't make it? Wrexham. Absolutely Wrexham. The Definitive, money they, I like it. The money they've spent, they're, they're like we say about clubs in the National League North, we were talking about York and AFC Foul before we, uh, before we started recording. They should be walking this National League, let's be honest. The amount of players they've brought in, the likes of Ben Tozer, Likes of Paul Mullen, who we've mentioned, and other players, the bought in Ollie Palmer. That club should be knocking on the door already for the National League. For one reason or another, maybe it's time they haven't, they haven't had, really had time to gel. And let's be honest, the National League is completely different to the AFL. You've got a mixture of teams who are the likes of, who are like Wrexham, who are like Chesterfield, uh, Halifax, I'll put them in there. The professional, some are full-time, some are hybrid. And they, you know, they play football the right way, as we say. You know, they get it down on the ground, they pass it. And then you get teams who are part-time teams. They've worked their way up through the league, absolutely rightly so, that they're in the National League as well. But you go to places and you just come unstuck on, against them. The likes of Solly or Moors, as we said, Maidenhead, they're another team. You know, no one really fancies going to Maidenhead on a Tuesday night because you know you're going to be in for a battle against the side managed by Alan Devonshire. So, yeah. as I say that, and I think Wrexham, just the money they spent, the the uh, fame and the fortune and everything that goes with it, to quote a song, uh, <laughs> they they should be up there. And if they don't go up, then I really do think it's a massive failure. And I do think a lot of people are going to pull scorn on Wrexham for not going up at the first attempt when other clubs in the past, the likes of Salford City, have done so. Well, I think you've just written yourself off Ryan Reynolds' Christmas card list there, Richard. <laughs> I don't even know if he knows me. <laughs> that, that's for you off the, uh, off, the, off the Christmas bonuses anyway. Um, yeah, uh, National League action this weekend. There's a few games to keep your eye on. Uh, Chesterfield, they host Grimsby, which could be a, a playoff-defining fixture. FC Halifax, they, ho- they host Wealdstone. And a, a football league fixture, really, in Southend, um, they are at home to Notts County. There's obviously some FA Trophy action as well, and we'll, we'll review that uh, the next time we're on the podcast, and we'll see who's gone into the into the Wembley final, skirting on quickly from that before Joel starts to get flashbacks from the York City game. And speaking of York City... Dropping into the National League North, where York City play, Dan, you could have hardly picked a better day to make your debut because I hear there's a quite the game on at the weekend involving your team. That's correct, isn't it? No, it's not important at all. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging the washing out instead. <laughs> uh, yes, it's it's pretty huge. I mean, I don't think it's as defining to the season as. It, it maybe sort of looks yeah 
as it maybe looks, I think after that, obviously, still what, seven or eight games to go after that, I think we've both got a fair mix of teams that are maybe battling for one of the last few playoffs. And obviously, the week after, on Saturday 9th of April, uh, Brackley have to host York, which is with the way York are going at the minute, that's not going to be easy for them. We still have to play Southport. Um, Obviously, uh, we still have to go to Chorley. Uh, that's the last away game of the season, which, um, which to be fair, might not be the worst ones have because I'm hoping that by then Chorley might just be in a position of just waiting for the playoffs to start. Mm. Um, at the same time as well, uh, they've got to face Blythe. We've got to face Geisley, who are obviously need points for completely different reasons to us. Uh, then there's obviously the Fairview Banana Skins, uh, both fast to face, both of us have to face a face resurgent Chester and Darlington sides. Um, both of us have to face Hereford, who are always a tough nut to crack. And and then there's obviously potential banana skins. As we've got to go to Kettering, uh, they've got to go to Leamington, which can be very weird places to go to. Mm, yeah, definitely. You mentioned some of the games there, and it, it's not going to be done and dusted. The the situation heading into it, then, obviously, Gateshead um, are against Brackley, and in the last couple of weeks, it's remarkable, really, that the two of you have been matching each other stride for stride. You know, Gateshead drop a point, Bra- Brackley drop a point, Gateshead win, Brackley win. Um, Gateshead, obviously, top of the table at the moment. They're on 77 points, having played 34. Brackley just below them on 74 points, but crucially in that matches played column, there is one game less, 33. I think you're right, Dan. It's a game really, isn't it, that the title's not going to be won by either team. Um, well, well, obviously, Brackley did only go level on points, but in terms of in terms of if Gateshead win, it's not going to mean game over because of that Brackley, that Brackley win, but... What do you think a, a loss for either team could do for the momentum? Like I say, they've been matching each other stride for stride at the moment, and suddenly, if 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 one of the teams gets a a big shiny red L in their form column, what do you think that could potentially do to their to their momentum? I think at the minute, I think um, there's more of a need for Brackley to win the game than there is for us. I think a draw would suit us better, so I'd be quite happy for. Pretty dull, lifeless, nil nil. I think. <laughs> I think if we win, then it's uh, that puts us in an excellent position. Um, obviously, six points ahead. Um, even with, I know Brackley have to get the game in hand, but at the end of the day, they've got to go up to Curzon Ashton and win, haven't they? Which, yeah, um, yeah. obviously, Curzon can be a bit of a weird team to come up against as well. Um, and I, I just, well, I, I think if Brackley win, then that could really. Shift the momentum. Um, obviously, you look at the, the other stats of this season. It's basically been a team that have been banging them in for fun in Gateshead versus yeah. a team uh, absolutely solid in Brackley. I know um, it's been strange these last few weeks. Like you've had a few minutes. There's been occasions where you think, well, is is it really our time? Obviously, because I know Brackley have had a lot of wins by one goal margins uh, in those games. I think. Kidderminster were denied a pretty obvious penalty against them. Uh, and Telford hit the bar against them. But then again, you know, the odd moment where you think, is our name on the trophy, if you get what I mean? Because uh, yeah. at the weekend, we held to a pretty infuriating nil-nil at Holmes Bradford Park, haven't you? But as, as we're going into at the time, I one went off and it 
Thomas suspending me with an equaliser. And when I saw the highlights, it, it, it turned out that uh, Brackley's goalkeeper, Danny Lewis, who's our person who thinks one of the best in the league, like he's, we watched some of that highlights, he just looks so solid. He mm. came as a, as a result of him basically miss, miss hitting a goal, kicking it, going straight. Many players just, just ran through and slotted it in. So it's, um, I think it's going to take a bit of luck. Bit, bit of luck. Mm. Uh, obviously, um, I think I think for us on Saturday, I think the best approach might just be to do what we did in the home game where we beat them two and all, and just get at them from the off. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned Spennymore there, and Richard, as a Charlie fan, <laughs> what do the words Spennymore Town mean to you? I, I'm sure you've got men, many happy memories of playing that club. Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> 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 They stopped surely from, well, I say they stopped. It, it was that defeat that put Stockport County top of the league with one game to go back in 2019. But I think Not that you remember every single detail and every <laughs> single well, minute. I was, I was at work that day and I had my phone on me and it was pinging off with notifications from surely from Kidsgrave who covered and Leek who are our other main club around here. And the Leek and Kidsgrave games are finished. And I remember... It's just picking off, and something in my head before I even looked at it, it went, Spenny Roar scored, do you? <laughs> I went off and I was like, oh no. And then you find that you missed a penalty. It's even worse. But we got our just revenge. We beat them in the playoff final on penalties. Yeah. And then we beat them in the FA Cup uh, the season after. But then they beat us in the FA Trophy and in the league recently. And it's interesting what Dan was saying about uh, Gateshead hoping to come to Chorley. Uh, just with Chorley now expecting for the waiting for the playoffs to start. I think it's going to go one of two ways for Chorley. We seem to be having that, this sticky patch. We always have it where around this time we just have no form at all. We'll go to so we played Southport at home. We beat them. You play over in the playoffs. You go to Blythe. They're near the bottom. You lose. Kettering. I thought they were near the uh, mid table area. They were actually they're actually knocking on the door for the playoffs. Uh, you lose to them. So we seem to be beating the bigger teams and then losing to the teams that you expect us to beat. So, <laughs> for example, on Saturday, we've got guys who are at the bottom of the league and I'm actually uh, making the journey up for family reasons and I've already said, I don't care it's your birthday, I'm going watching Chorley that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my priorities lie. Uh, I mean, mum, whose birthday is, uh, said, only you could do that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going there and I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, if Geisley turned Shirley over. That's another club that gives me uh, nightmares in uh, playoff games uh, from a few years ago. Shirley were 2-0 up and then lost uh, 3-2. <laughs> but that's for uh, another day. But going back to Spenny, I think it's one of the clubs like that they're up there. And then you look this season, they, were up, they weren't up there, which really surprised me. And to be honest, it's as I say, it's been one of them seasons... And if we do make the playoffs, I'm just glad that they can't affect us. <laughs> yeah, just looking to wrap up the National League North, just looking at the fixtures then, um, not really that many monumental clashes this weekend. Obviously, the big one is that Brackley Town versus Gateshead. But AFC Fylde, they, they come up against Farsley. You've got Kidderminster, who go away to Bradford Park Avenue, like you mentioned there. Richard Chorley at home to Geisley. Spennymore at Curzon Ashton. Hereford, who could potentially even jump into the playoffs. They're looking like a team who, who have got that momentum that could take them in there. They're at home to Alfreton and a couple of other fixtures as well. But 
bringing Joel back in then, our resident member of the South. It's a very North heavy yeah. podcast today and uh, Joel's doing a lot of heavy lifting for the South of England. Um, we'll talk National League South then because it's looking like the, the pendulum swung again in that league, not for the first time this season. Maidstone hold a four-point gap at the top as things stand and obviously Stockport County at, at one end of the, the sort of spectrum for running away with the league title. You've got Gateshead and Brackley, who are at the opposite end. Maystone seems to be firmly in the middle in, in a position where you probably like to be as a supporter, isn't it? They've got a four-point lead at the top. Dorking Wanderers are their nearest chasers. They're, they're just behind them. And, and then below them, a couple of teams vying for positions in the playoffs. But, Joel, Maystone look comfortable. And it seems like after a, a ding-dong battle throughout the season, they're going to be the team who, who just squeeze through and make it into the National League. Well, I wouldn't be too sure because Dorking and <laughs> and if you look at Maidstone's next um, fortnight or so, they play Haven't and Waterlooville and they also go to Dartford, which is obviously an incredible yeah. game. And if Dorking win the game in hand, there's only a point between them, so it will be um, it will be interesting. But you're right in that a couple in that the last um, few weeks, Maidstone have really found a new level while Dorking are, are stuttering. Only one five mm. for them. They've lost. Um, the main danger man, you'd argue, in terms of providing chances in um, in Briggs. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Incidentally, I am going to go and watch Dorkin play on Saturday in the absence of... Oh, nice. So I might be able to provide a bit more um, insight into whether they look <laughs> up for the up for the title charge um, when, when we next reconvene. But it's certainly going to um, go down to the wire for sure. Agent Joel on, on the on the lookout, obviously doing your due diligence much more than me, because like you say, there, um, Darkin, you know, they they they're still in with a chance. But um, in terms of the playoff picture, just below them, this is this is an intriguing battle because you've got a situation where just outside the top seven, you mentioned there, haven't and Waterlooville, they they're the team with the momentum, unbeaten in five. But then you've got just above. This is astonishing. From Dulwich Hamlet in seventh down to Hungerford in ninth, there's only one victory shared between those teams in the last in the last five games. That was Hungerford um, last weekend when they beat Chelmsford two 0 It seems as though nobody wants to to finish in time inside the top seven, doesn't it, Joel? And and you're looking there at a situation where we always say, don't we? Like second and third, finishing second and third doesn't mean that you are you were therefore sort of given a divine right to make it to the playoff final. There is always a team that seems to squeeze through and, and challenges the the sort of in the semis and then in the in the quarters in the semis and, and then makes it through to the final and potentially even gets promoted. But it doesn't seem like there's any team there that want to really get the get the league by the scruff of the neck. No, that's that's what makes it so fascinating. Um, we said a few weeks ago, while the teams in the National League North playoffs kept winning. The teams in the National League South playoffs um, almost kept losing. And interestingly, yeah. it looks like up to six Foxford City is quite cemented because they've got an eight-point gap on Dulwich Hamlet who hold on to that last playoff place. But then all of a sudden you have five teams separated by just two points. So it becomes really bunched up in that race to just creep in. And as we know, the team who creeps in um, often has the most momentum and, and they mm. lose. So that's what makes it... That's what makes it interesting. You may find that um, if Dorkin miss out narrowly, having led for so much of the season, the um, the hangover from that might be so strong that they might just be burnt out yeah. and not be able to perform and, and crash out of the playoff semi-finals altogether. So it's going to be interesting. But I think up until six for Oxford City, they're pretty much assured of their playoff spot. 
at the minute. Just finally then on the National League South, I'll ask Dan a very quick question. As um, as a man of the North East and, and someone who has done a lot of travelling with Gateshead this season and, and potentially going to be a supporter of a National League club next season, is there anyone in the National League South you look at and thinking, oh my God, I'd do anything not to have to do that journey? Or, or are you just at the point now where you take anything? Been to Maidstone a couple of times. I mean, uh, I think the best thing about going to Maidstone is a pie. It's, a pie. <laughs> it's absolutely unreal, to be fair. And there's things nice yeah. as well, which is always pretty good. Um, I mean, looking at the teams, the the sort of in and around the in and around there. I mean, uh, like obviously Dawkins would be an interesting one to go to. I think because obviously the Obviously, the journey they've been on, etc. Um, I mean, there's not really anything that I'd, anything in there that I'd think. Oh God, I mean, transfer. I think at, at the minute, like looking at who's going to be in going to be in the national league this season, who's potentially coming down from uh, from League Two. I mean, uh, I think I'm absolutely, I'd be absolutely dreading going to Yeovil because it seems in the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As as well, I think. Look at who could come down for League Two. I think I'm just I'd just be basically desperate for Barrow to stay up because it's just it's just an absolute yeah. yeah. So even even if you live in the north, it's just Barrow's just so out of the way and just, just out of so, the way. Yeah. So it's I mean it's I think the biggest compliment you can give Barrow and teams like that is just is it is literally a place that no one wants to go to, and I think, <laughs> I think they absolutely love that to be fair. Both the football stadium and the town itself. Um, so, so that's that's Richard off uh, Ryan Reynolds' is, is Christmas list, and that's Dan off every single member of, of the the population of Barrow's Christmas list. So, Joel, pick pick you pick you pick you lot for who you can offend between now and the end. But we'll we'll move on. Then we'll we'll go to another story from the world non-league, and we'd plan to run with this story ahead of the Staines Staines Town one, but. For obvious reasons and, and the, the sort of mess that unfolded there, that took priority. But we're going to chat a little bit about the England Sea versus Wales Sea match, which at the time of recording is actually going to happen tomorrow night, the 30th of March. But it does mark a pretty historic moment for non-league football. And it's the first in a couple of years. There had been planned to be one um pre-covid in march 2020 but that was that was cancelled and and we were all stuck inside for for quite a while so it's it's taken a while to get to this point where it's going to be possible but there, there will be an england sea game versus a, a Wales sea team as well and the idea really is to give players from non-league a chance to represent their national team it, is pretty monumental and it is pretty impressive. Um, the England C team is going to be managed by former Barnet boss Paul Fairclough. And in terms of the game itself, Richard, what are your thoughts and feelings ahead of this fixture? And, and obviously it's going to be a, a big 90 minutes of football, but there's all sorts of stuff going on around the scenes as well and a, a few different opinions. Yeah, absolutely. I'm devastated that I'm actually not going to Carnarvon. Town tomorrow night to watch it. Even yeah. more, even more so now that Lewis Baines has surely got called up on Monday. I was absolutely delighted to see it, and I think it's we go back to nineteen ninety seven, the last time Chorley had an international footballer on the ranks, which was Brian Ross playing for the well, it was called the National Game Eleven back then. Now, obviously, the England C team. So I'm really gutted that I can't go and watch him in action for England C team. But I'm just so delighted that the back. I spoke. 
uh, last year on my own podcast podcast to uh, Mick Payne, who's the goalkeeping coach of the England C team. And he was telling me about what life is like in his England C team. It is so fantastic. You're literally, the players are right now, as we speak, are getting treated like the proper England stars. Yeah. Same kit to wear, the training uh, schedules are similar, uh, how they behave, how they act, what they wear. Uh, is exactly the same, and that is fantastic for a non-league player. The players who are in this team, and particularly, I'll take Lewis Baines for an example. He's a part-time player. Don't know who he works for, but let's say he works. He's going to go back into work on <laughs> what? Let's say Thursday, Thursday morning, Friday, because you know the boss is going to be nice. I give him Thursday off. He's just represented his national team. Yeah. He's he's gone. You know, have the extra day off. He's going to go back, and he's going to have all his workmates going. What's it like? What's it like? What's it like? He's then going to go to to Chorley on Saturday, playing guys, the other Chorley players are going to be inspired by what he's done uh, and playing. He might only get 10 minutes, he might get the full game, we don't know. But they're going to be inspired and they're going to really push to be in the next team. And as I say, it's I'm really delighted it's back. They played uh, 2019, they played Wales at Salford City's Peninsula Stadium uh, and it was a 2-2 draw. And it, I listened to the commentary and it was a fantastic game of football so if it's anything like it was the last time it's going to be fantastic we've obviously seen some dropouts which are, is really disappointing because I don't love yeah. see the likes of Paul Mullen you know I think he, yeah, yeah. he might have got a hatful to him. I mean Wales are going to be <laughs> no pushover it's England versus Wales but the likes of Scott Loach uh, being called up and just let me get the uh, squad up again and remind myself because it has been a while but the likes of uh, Roach uh, Joe Sarber and Solly Moores, I'm looking forward to see how he plays. Will Collar and Ryan Crowsdale of Stockport County. And even the likes of uh, Michael Cheek of Bromley. This is a really good squad that Paul Fairclough uh, has been able to call up. And I guess it's been a, such a hard job for uh, him and his management team and the network of scouts that they have to put this team together. Because you've got so many fantastic players playing in non-league football. And for these 18 or so players... It really rubber stamps uh, their careers and their TV saying, this is what he's been achieved. He's been good enough to be called up for England. And for some of the younger players, the likes of Lewis Baines, I'll go back to him again. He's a young lad, formerly of Fleetwood Town, being released by them. He's come to Chorley, scored in the second round of the FA Cup last season, got to the fourth round with Chorley. He's now got on his CV, England C team. And Hmm. the amount of players... You only need to look at the amount of players who are playing in the Premier League, in uh, the Football League, or even in Scotland who have represented England C team. It's phenomenal, phenomenal, and really hope that him or all the others could be the next person or the next player to go and play in uh, the Football League. So it's fantastic it's back, and I'm really looking forward to have it. I think the game's on Sergio, the Welsh TV channel, whether it's watching that or listening to the commentary on Live Sport FM, I believe it's on. Yeah, It's just going to be a fantastic evening, once again, for a non-league football fan and fans of the England C team. Well, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm sold. Um, Rich has done a fantastic job of building it up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it back down a little bit. I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna turn the romanticism down a little bit and, and look at the sort of controversies around it. Because you mentioned a couple of players there, Richard, who have, who have pulled out um, 
Stockport County players and Wrexham players amongst them. And, and Joel, do you where, where do you stand on this then? Because obviously there was some debate over team selection and unlike the professional, well, obviously this is professional football, but unlike the senior teams and, and the first teams, there isn't a designated international break. You know, there's no space in the calendar for National League clubs just to take a week off of football and, and sort of let the, the players go across all over the world and all over the country to play in internationals. Do you think they've taken the right approach, those players who've, who've pulled out? Um, I think Ryan Crowsdale, Will Collar, Paul, Paul Mullen and um, uh, Hayden as well from Wrexham. Do you think they've taken the right approach or is this, like like Richard says, such a, a, a prestigious opportunity that to actually turn it down? And, you know, granted, a lot of that is injuries. Some of it, the Stockport County lot have, have, have called it um, looking to focus on the league, which is fair enough. And balancing that sort of those priorities it, it can, is no doubt difficult. But are, are they making the right decision or do you think they perhaps could have maybe made time for it in the, in the calendar? I don't think it should be plonked in the middle of the business end of the season at such an intense period when most teams are playing every other Tuesday um, already. I think it would make more sense maybe play it a couple of weeks after the playoff final so that there's yeah. not um, there's no real games happening then and you still get kind of a, just extend your season by a couple of weeks. And also it's in the summer. Um, but obviously it's a very prestigious honour. There hasn't been an England C game for two years. Um, also haven't mentioned that they extended it um, to encompass any age as well, didn't they? Yeah. Just yeah. a certain um, restrictive age group. So players who haven't really had the opportunity, like um, Matt Robinson from, from Dagenham, um, for, mm. for example, wasn't really young enough to make the squad when it was such a tight age range. Now, probably the only occasion he um, he will. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic and it's a real unique novelty for them kind of players. But at the end of the day, Stockport and Wrexham, you're paying the players' wages. It's quite yeah. understandable that you don't want them playing an extra game on a Wednesday night when they could get injured and then be ruled out of the running, both in league and the FA Trophy um, semi-final and final. So it's perfectly understandable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Dan, I'll, I'll come to you for the final point on this debate because there's no Gateshead players in there, but you're a supporter of a club who are in the the real mix of it at the moment. And and say, for example, um, there, there had been a Gateshead player called up, where would you have stood on the on the facts, that, say, if they'd gone ahead and played or if, they, if they'd wanted to pull out instead? Would you have wanted them to see, prioritise the league campaign and, and get, that, um, get that league championship won? Or would you have been happy to see somebody get their just rewards for, for a fantastic season? Well, it's funny you say this, actually, because uh, a couple of years ago when uh, they played Wales at uh, Salford, uh, we had actually... At that time, uh, obviously before, um, obviously all the we got punished for yeah. the financial situation in the end. Um, but that's besides the point. Uh, at that time, we were sort of pushing to get into the playoffs. We were sort of really on the cusp of it. Like it was a really like tight battle. I think we were sort of fifty-fifty as to whether we would get in or whether we wouldn't. Um, and uh, well, Tom White, uh, who's obviously gone on to playing the football league, uh, got Barrow fans uh, that are very impressed with him, I can see why, and that's maybe me back back on some Barrow Christmas card lists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously, uh, as well, you have the, uh, John Mellish, who's uh, who's done pretty well, Carlisle since, Greg Ollie all in the squad, I mean, I think yeah. at the time, uh, 
And I was I was really happy for him because uh, they definitely deserved a chance like that because they'd been excellent all that season. And uh, but at the same time, I was I think I was sat at home. I was like, I swear to God, if <laughs> I'm not going to be happy at it. Yeah, yeah, rightly so. Uh, I think it's a bit of a fifty-fifty. I think um, obviously for a, obviously you think of Stockport and Wrexham, they're, they're huge clubs, aren't they? I mean, they they feel as though they belong in the football league. I mean, I mean my personal view on that is uh, every team is where they are for a reason. But I think yeah, I was where it's sort of quite communal and that um, you're always like you're never going to hold players back from opportunities like that. So I can certainly see both sides of the argument. I mean, um, I mean but I'm, I'm personally all for these, um, all, all for these matches. I mean, I think as Joe, I think Joe already put it, that the scheduling of them could be a bit better if mm-hmm. maybe in the summer uh, during the close season, or even if you played them in like, I don't know, October time or something like that, where there's not really much else going on. There. You've not yeah. gone into the FA Trophy yet. Um, like you've not really gone into the FA Cup yet and stuff like that. I think so. so I think then that might be the that might be a better time to play them. I suppose then as well, you could possibly get some special dispensation from the league, and you could have a, a game maybe postponed to allow them to play. But obviously, at this point in the season, after having a few COVID cancellations and weather and whatnot, it's just not feasible. But yeah, we'll uh, wait and see how that goes, and, and we'll definitely pick it up in a later podcast episode. And, and you know, here's hoping it's a fantastic game, and none of those players get injured because th- there's still plenty to play for for some of those players. But I think we'll do- call it a day there, uh, boys, because we've got through an awful lot today and uh, offended a few people, hopefully made a few, got, got a few laughs, but uh, definitely covered plenty of topics. So, Joel, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, I think we've pretty much um, encapsulated the whole of non-league. Maybe we could have given a bit more airtime to Wrexham 6, Dover 5, because that was yeah. bonkers. But um, no, other than that, we've, we've done a good job of um, condensing it into an hour, I think, because we could have... Yeah. <laughs> discussing just one of these topics uh, alone. Yeah, I think we could have probably had a full podcast episode on Retsum Six Dover Five. Uh, Richard, any any other things to add, uh, or are you all good? We're all good. All best to uh, Daryl Saar, the uh, new manager of Woking that got announced. And I think it was just to point on that quickly. It's crazy that a few years ago, Yeovil were in the Championship. I don't think anyone would have thought no. a Yeovil manager would be going to. Uh, Woking mid-season, but I think there's quite a lot going on behind the scenes with a takeover at Yeovil, so that's probably what's forced him out a bit. Uh, but as you say, there's so much going on in non-league football. We could have talked about anything. We could have talked about Macclesfield winning the league, Bury ASC, um, yeah. West and Charlton, they've all won their respective leagues over the last couple of weeks. A couple of other divisions have been wrapped up now. There's so much going in on, in on non-league football. We could just do with having a regular <laughs> in non-league football. Is it going to happen? No. Will we care? Probably not. No, we yeah. are stuff to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, spot on. And uh, Dan, I, I wish you all the best for Saturday, mate. I hope you uh, managed to get through that day stress-free, but, but given the sort of season it's been, I'm sure there'll be plenty of ups and downs. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a very big day, but uh, fingers crossed. And I just, last one for me, I'd just like to um, wish the supporters the players uh everyone involved with staying town all the best and as well while we're on the subject yeah. uh mm. hopeful in terms of football up here that uh billingham symphonia can 
find themselves a new home for next season because they've obviously been they've obviously been been asked to leave the ground at Norton. Um, so fingers crossed they can get that sorted soon, and uh, and as well for uh, for Durham City, who've obviously been in in, in dire need, not won a game all all season. So um, so yeah, it's um, hmm. I think it's yeah. just. It's got. It's, it's always vital to remember the level of football at and what what a struggle it can be. Yeah, yeah, definitely echo those sentiments, and it sounds like a perfect place to finish. I thank all the listeners for joining us on this week's non-league weekly podcast. We will be back again shortly to dissect all the latest breaking news on and off the pitch from the world of non-league in the near future. If you could leave a review or you could rate the show on whichever podcast platform you're listening along to, that would be fantastic. We would really appreciate it and it definitely helps us out a lot. I have been Amos Murphy today, hosting this week's non-league weekly podcast, sponsored by betting.co.uk. I've had with me Richard, I've had Joel and I've had Dan. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. See you later.